Alright, and welcome to the Rawish Nitro Podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back once again to plough through 1996 one step at a time. Today, we're at January 22nd to look at the episodes of WWF Raw and WCW Nitro. Raw's coming to us hot off the heels of the Royal Rumble, 24 hours removed from Shawn Michaels' big victory, and Nitro is coming to us the night before the Clash of the Champions, which we reviewed in the last episode, so feel free to go and check that one out if you haven't heard it yet. Raw's coming to us from Stockton, California, whereas Nitro is coming to us from Las Vegas, Nevada. Raw drew a 2.9 TV rating compared to Nitro's 2.7. So the Rumble, interestingly enough, and the road to WrestleMania seems to have given Raw a little bump there, and they have taken the lead in this ratings week. Let's find out whether or not they deserved it. You know how we do that. We're heading over there now to put them to the test. opens up with mixed messages with a graphic coming up on the screen telling us that viewer discretion is advised because of scenes of a violent nature before Sonny bending over taking a shot at Paul also tells us viewer discretion is advised so we're not quite sure whether to take that seriously or not. We get a little bit of a rundown of the Royal Rumble and a new entrance video as well which is quite nice and then Jerry the King Lawler and Vince McMahon open us up while Savio Vega makes his entrance to the ring for the opening contest up against the man that manhandled him in the Rumble last night. The debuting on Monday Night Raw, Vader. When the match gets underway, Vader is booked exactly how he should be on his debut, beating the living piss out of Savio Vega, and half of the crowd are into it while the other half are giving him real heel heat, so a bit of a mixed message there, but Vader, the impressive specimen that he is, is definitely attracting some cheers early on. He continues his beatdown, but when he lets his guard off for a minute, Savio Vega fires back with a nice super kick that sends Vader over the ropes, but when they start brawling around the outside, Vader gets the upper hand, press slamming Savio onto the rail, and then getting back in the ring, hitting a huge huge avalanche and a Vader bomb for the one, two, three, making quick work of Savio Vega. And to think this is the man that Mark bought a shirt of for shame. After the bell, Vader continues his assault, hitting a big slam, followed by another Vader bomb, as he then headbutts the referee and tosses him out the ring. A second referee runs down and gets in his face, and then he eats a power bomb, which is really sick looking. Definitely check this out. He damn near killed him. From there, this brings out the big guns, and it's the president of the WWF, Gorilla Monsoon, who comes out and gets Invader's face, and the crowd immediately can sense something's about to go down. 
Gorilla Monsoon instructs the ring announcer to let the crowd know that he can indefinitely suspend Vader, and he just has, as Jim Cornette begs Vader not to make this any worse. Gorilla Monsoon goes to check on the referees, and Vader's quite pissed off, goes and slaps him on the back to get his attention. Gorilla Monsoon stands up for himself, though, and unloads with a barrage of chops onto Vader. Vader seems to take this as a, I'm not going to fuck with you from here, and backs away. Gorilla Monsoon goes back to the corner to check on the referee, and from behind, eats an avalanche from Vader, who nails him in the corner. Then, as Gorilla Monsoon falls flat face first to the mat, Vader unloads with a big elbow drop to follow up. The crowd are stunned. They cannot believe what they've just seen. And then, the icing on the cake, Vader drags Monsoon to the corner and nails him with a Vader bomb. This is how you make a heel look like a monster. From there, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon come charging out from the back, and Vader leaves as they enter the ring. He's getting big boos. Um, if you don't know the story here, he essentially, his deal was he was going to work the Rumble, but he needed shoulder surgery, so after that, this angle was meant to put him out for six months so he could get shoulder surgery and recover. Follow the timeline, and we'll see exactly how that worked out for him, but that was the purpose behind this. But, man, they had something in Vader here at this point. It is a shame what it becomes later on. We get a commercial break, and when we come back, Vader's backstage beating the shit out of a locker room now as Jim Cornette goes mental with him. And then we go to our next contest, two members of the clique, interestingly enough, Hunter Hearst Helmsley taking on Razor Ramon. Hunter comes out with a female who Jerry Lawler informs us is named Shay Marks. I have no idea who she is or what her purpose was, so if you've got any info on that, feel free to tweet me. And Razor comes out to a mammoth Razor chant. The crowd are definitely into Razor in 96. Um... Watching these shows, it's surprising Vince never thought he could go to the next level because he's definitely one of the most over members of the uh, of the locker room. We get an inset promo from Ted DiBiase and the One Two Three Kid, and it fills me with dread knowing what comes from this because they've got a giant nappy in a bottle and they're saying that they have to put it on Razor and feed him his bottle because he's a big baby. Um, stay tuned for that one; it's coming up pretty soon. The match gets underway, with Razor going to work on Triple H with some punches, a lifting arm ringer and an atomic drop. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, Hunter hits a nice baseball slide and crotches Razor on the ropes, whips him into the corner, hits his lovely knee, and a clothesline for a two-count. Um, he's pounding on him in the corner as the 1-2-3 kid comes out, because Triple H has walked off with a referee, and pretends to feed Razor Ramon the big bottle, but in doing so, half of it falls off and exposes that it's not actually a bottle, it's a plastic toy, so that made him look a bit stupid. Razor wakes up a bit here, gets pissed off, chases the kid around the ring, the kid slows down long enough to spit on him and keeps running, and Razor, being the idiot that he is, does laps of the ring and gets counted out while Triple H just stands there and watches him. He's not happy with this, though. He gets back in, goes on the attack on Triple H, attempts to put him in the razor's edge, but H escapes, and he bails off with Shea Marks. So we are also then told that we're going to the wrestling war room one more time. Uh, I built this company to what it is today by doing one thing well. That's buying old assets and repackaging them. Uh, buying, uh, buying old movies. Uh, buying old cartoons. Well, heck, I even bought old wrestlers. But I'm tired of stealing every idea from the WWF. So once, just once, let's uh, let's put our heads together and uh, try to come up with with one original idea. Ted, 
an idea, but it's too hot to tell you about on television. Call my hotline now, and I'll tell you all about it. The new WWF generation. Don't fall for cheap imitations. So there you have it, the final wrestler war room, but I've got a sneaking suspicion that won't be the last we hear of Huckster, Nacho Man, and the like. From there, Vince McMahon absolutely wets himself as he introduces the winner of last night's Royal Rumble, the most charismatic man in the World Wrestling Federation today, Shawn Michaels. I know my Vince impression's fairly terrible, but you get the point I'm trying to make here. He definitely lets a load off. Um, as Sean's coming out, we pan to the crowd, and we see a cool sign that says, Ric Flair is God, Shawn Michaels is Jesus, Vince McMahon is the Antichrist. Mm, if you watch Nitro, I'd probably put Hulk Hogan in that final bracket, but yeah, you get the drift of this sign. Sean gets in the ring and cuts another pretty average babyface promo, which I'm starting to think wasn't really his groove in the mid-90s here. Um, he says, I told you so about winning the Rumble, how he's going to Mania to win the title, how nine thugs in Syracuse, New York couldn't end his career, and he calls out Owen Hart, and this is a, for Shawn Michaels, and out comes Jim Cornette, sorry, before I get started on my little rant here, um, this is the worst game of cat and mouse and tricking your booking I've ever seen, with Shawn saying he really wants Owen Hart and he'd give anything to get him in a match, and Jim Cornette going, oh, anything, eh, how about we take your title match if we beat you, like, it's just really awful, cheesy TV movie kind of acting here in this one. Sean, of course, tries not to put up the title shot for about mm, three seconds before going, oh, the hell with it, I'll do that just so I can beat Owen Hart. And then he tosses Jim Cornette out the ring after Cornette had said he didn't want any violence with anyone being a bit of a jerk to end it. And that does it for the segment. We go to a commercial break. And we're told as we do exit to the break that next week we're going to see Diesel going up against a British Bulldog. We've seen that before and it wasn't very good, so I have to say my hopes aren't that high. And Shawn Michaels taking on Yokozuna, which should be an interesting mismatch of styles. Hopefully it's entertaining and short. From there we go to our main event of the evening and it's going to be Goldust taking on the World Wrestling Federation champion, Brett the Hitman Hart. We get a Goldust promo in set to begin as he's making his entrance and I don't really understand a word he says so I'm not going to try and transcribe that one for you there. And Brett comes out to a good pop but not as big as Razor's which I find interesting. Before the match gets underway, Goldust does his usual shenanigans rubbing himself up to the disgust of Brett. And then on the outside of the ring, Marlena begins to rub herself up to the obvious delight of myself. But before we get any real action in the ring, we go to a commercial break. When we come back, Brett's in control, uh, but Goldust manages to send him to the outside, and we get a second commercial break in the main event, which is a little bit annoying because it's so early in. When we come back this time, Goldust is in control, and it's going pretty slow considering we've had two commercials already. Goldust attempts a sharpshooter, which Brett is having none of, kicks him out, but then Razor stops Goldust from leaving, who's attempting to walk up the aisle. Brett, when he gets back in the ring, Bret Hart hits him with a leg sweep. And we go to another commercial break. So the three commercial breaks within about five minutes of the main event. We come back and Brett hits a second rope clothesline, a Russian leg sweep, and a sharpshooter for the victory in a match that was interrupted with three commercial breaks and had about five minutes worth of action. From there, Vince McMahon gets in the ring to interview Brett. Um, he says that Diesel cost us the decision last night, saying that Undertaker had hit him with a tombstone, but there's no saying he would have got the win, and we'll never know who won because of Diesel. Um, interestingly enough, when we get the close-up of Brett, he does have a nasty black eye, and he wants a cage, cage match with Diesel. Says he'll give the Undertaker another match down the line as well, because he deserves it. 
And from there, we get told that next week we're going to see Billionaire Ted in a special press conference. So, so much for the end of the wrestling war room already, hey? Um, Looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to the two matches next week. But this show, uh, it was a little bit pedestrian for my liking, considering we've just come off the rumble. Let's head over and see if Nitro can top that and see who really deserves a win on this night. Nitro comes to us, of course, from Caesars Palace, Las Vegas, the same venue that Clash of the Champions will be in the following evening. The commentary team, as always, is Bobby the Brain Heenan, Eric Bischoff, and Steve Mongo McMichael, and Pepe's in a tuxedo for this one. Conan interrupts us to tell us he's going to defend his Mexican heavyweight title at the Clash of the Champions, so that should be cool. And our first contest, interestingly enough, is a Macho Man defend, uh, taking on sorry, Ric Flair for his world heavyweight title. Why is this the opening match, you might ask? Well, I think if you've been listening to this show for a little while, you'll know the answer to that, and we will discuss it more later on in the evening. A bunch of women come out first before Macho Man makes his entrance, and of course, his good buddy, good pal, and saviour of the day, Hulk Hogan, follows him down the ramp. Macho tells Gene, who's waiting on the ramp, that he's steaming hot. Hulk Hogan wishes him luck, but says he wants a title shot, like the dickhead he is, and Macho delivers the classic, What it is, is what it is! before Ric Flair makes his entrance, confronts Woman, who's part of the female entourage that let out Macho, eats a slap, and the match gets underway with a brawl around the outside. Macho Man's arm is heavily bandaged as well, which the commentators reference during this. Macho Man starts off with a couple of clotheslines for a two-count before Flair comes back with an elbow, and Bobby Heenan and Bischoff on commentary tell us the Road Warriors are back together and everyone should look out. Ric Flair tosses Macho outside the ring where they brawl for a little while before Macho gets back in and hits a backdrop. Um, Then he comes off the top to the outside with an axe handle, but Flair avoids and Macho hits the rail. We go to our first commercial, and when we come back, Flair's in control, but Macho Man's fighting back with a 10 punch before they go back outside for some more brawling. On the inside, Macho hits a backslide for a two before Flair goes after the leg and puts on the figure four. The referee breaks it up, though, because Flair's cheating holding onto the ropes. Macho Man catches Flair up top and press slams him, then hits an axe handle for a two count before Jimmy Hart gets on the apron to distract the referee. This allows Arn Anderson to come into the ring and get some brass knucks out, but he accidentally nails Ric Flair. A bell goes, but interestingly enough, the match doesn't stop. Macho Man comes off the top with an elbow for the one, two, three, and we get a second bell. This one's definitely the finish of the match, and the Macho Man is the new champion, botch and all, at the ending. And of course, Hulk Hogan then comes out to save the day, running off Arn Anderson and stealing all of Macho Man's thunder. This is now three out of four Macho Man World Heavyweight title reigns that have had Hulk Hogan hogging the limelight in the ring afterwards. Macho Man gets Mean Gene to grab the mic, and he finally tells Hogan off, putting him in his place once and for all. No, 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 just kidding. This is what he really said. Stop the music! 
gentlemen, we have a new WCW Heavyweight Champ of the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan. I got something to say right straight to your eyes, brother. You're celebrating this match like you want it. I want it. I am the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. You understand that? You're clowning around the ring. Don't embarrass yourself like that, brother. We're friends. We've been yelling back 12 times. 13's either our lucky number or our unlucky number, brother. Understood ya? Well, you know something, Macho Man? Congratulations on being the new WCW Heavyweight Champion, brother. But I might add, with a little help from your best friend, man. And by the way, after the one-man gang tonight, I would love to have the first shot at the title, brother. Uh-oh. Here we go. You've been watching my back for a long time, and I've also been watching your back for a long time. And you know something? I can't wait till the next lifetime. You get your red and yellow together. My name's not Nick Bockwinkle. I'm not the WCW committee. I'm only the world heavyweight champion. Oh. You get yourself up to the number one spot, and I'll give you a title shot. And I'm looking, look at me. Oh. You just look at me right now, friend. I want to do it right here in Caesar's Palace. Do you understand? Gentlemen, can I point something out? Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, you've got uh, fish to fry before you get to that because tomorrow night it's the two of you meeting the Nature Boy and the Giant. Well, first things first, brother, you're right. You're not Nick Bockwinkle, but just like I watched your back tonight, brother, you watch mine with a one-man gang. After I take care of him, I'll do whatever I have to do for these Hulkamaniacs to get to the number one position, brother. And after I get... After I get to that number one position, brother, as far as I'm concerned, right here in Caesar's Palace, we'll get it on, brother. Brother, this match has got to happen. Hulk Hogan versus the Macho Man. And if you can beat me, I'm going to shake your hand. But guess what? If I beat you, which is probably going to happen, I want you to shake my hand, too, right here in Caesar's Palace. You got a deal or no deal? You got a deal. We start tonight. Ooh, yeah. So, yeah, congratulations, Macho Man, for sticking up for yourself. But I don't think it's going to work in the long run, personally. From there, we go to our next match, which is Dean Malenko up against Brian Pillman, another one I'm looking forward to. But I do have the awful suspicion that Brian Pillman might go nuts instead of wrestling. When we get started, we open up with some chain wrestling, which Pillman uses to lull Dean Malenko into a false sense of security before elbowing him in the face and unloading with strikes. Malenko comes back with a hip toss and a drop kick as Brian Pillman yells inaudibly into the camera. Pillman then rubs Malenko's face into the mat, yelling, I'm a shooter, which is some more loose cannon shenanigans there. Pillman hits a vertical suplex for a two count, slaps Dean, who goes absolutely mental, hits a huge corner clothesline, a brain buster, and a neck breaker for a very close two count, before Pillman hits a tornado DDT, but decides not to pin him, which is a little bit strange. Malenko then manages to get back into the game, hitting a um, Tiger Driver, Pearl River Plunge type move for a two count, then a drop kick. Before they go brawling on the outside, Dean Malenko then hits his lovely gut buster to some big cheers and then a bit of a strange leg takedown and an unusual leg lock 
Dean got, uh, have his legs tied in the rope, so, and this allows Pillman to dive on him as a ref pretends not to see the fact that Malenko's leg is tied in the ropes and picks up a cheap victory with the 1-2-3. Not too bad of a match, certainly better than um, Pillman and Guerrero, but definitely could have been longer, and if Pillman was looking for the wrestling match rather than the shenanigans, it could have been better still. We're told on Saturday night this week it'll be Lex Luger and Sting being interviewed, Meng versus Johnny B. Bad, the American Males versus Harlem Heat, and Alex Wright up against Ric Flair. So that should be a hell of a show. 6.05 on TBS if you haven't heard. From there we go to our next match, which is Harlem Heat defending the tag team titles up against Sting and Lex Luger. Bobby Heenan goes berserk on Mongo McMichael at the commentary table. Um, he's basically acting like Mongo keeps one-upping him, even though he's got the mental capacity of a barbell. And then um, Mongo tells him that I, d- I don't need you to make me look stupid. Uh, sorry, Heenan tells Mongo I don't need you to make me look stupid, really feeding him some good lines here. So some solid work from Heenan on the mic. Lex and Stevie Ray get started as Eric Bischoff tells him, um, just calls him Harlem Heat, sorry. He doesn't say Stevie Ray, just says it's it's Lex against Harlem Heat there. Lex hits a nice forearm for a two count. Stevie Ray comes back with a big boot for a two count. And then Lex Luger puts clotheslines onto both of Harlem Heat. Sting comes in and hits both of the members of Harlem Heat with a couple of Stinger splashes each. Puts on the Scorpion Deathlock, but Booker T hits an axe kick while the referee is distracted with Lex Luger. Eric Bischoff talks about the tremendous arsenal of kicking technique that both of Harlem Heat possess, really channeling his inner Vince there, just going way too wordy. And then the Harlem Heat take turns beating on Sting. Booker T comes in and hits a nice bulldog for a two count, but Lex makes a save. Uh, Then we get a double team kick on Sting by Harlem Heat, and Stevie Ray locks in a nerve hold. Booker T comes off with a knee drop for a two count, but misses the Harlem hangover, allowing Sting to make the hot tag to Lex. Jimmy Hart comes down, hands Lex Luger a roll of coins while the referee is distracted with Sting and the other member of Harlem Heat. And then Lex nails Booker T with the coins, which fly out of the holder, so there are coins all over the ring. And then Nick Patrick does a three count and immediately gets out of the ring to try and avoid seeing the coins all over the mat. Lex Luger grabs the titles and goes to celebrate with a very confused but happy Sting on the outside, new tag team champions as we go to another commercial break. When we come back from said commercial, it's time for our main event of the evening, and along with the main event, as usually comes in WCW, comes our dick move of the week. Yes, Hulk Hogan, in addition to stealing the spotlight of Macho Man again for his title win, you've also kicked him out of the main event for a title match, and not the first time you've kicked a Ric Flair Macho Man main event Uh, Sorry, title match out of the main event. WrestleMania 8, anybody? Does that ring any bells? So, Hulkster, you are definitely heading to the Dick Move of the Week Hall of Fame right now with the amount of awards you've been picking up. Mongo tells us that Hulk Hogan will whip the Shay out of you, and I have absolutely no idea what he's talking about when he says that, but it sounds kind of cool. I'm sorry, I don't think I actually mentioned that the main event is Hulk Hogan against the one-man gang, so this is definitely 1987 reappearing in 1996 for my money. Oh, and just quickly harping back to that, um, Hulk Hogan will whip the Shay out of you. Bobby Heenan absolutely had me rolling. I don't know if he meant this or not, but his reply to that line was, does that mean he's eating carpet? (laughs) Not sure you can say that on TV, Bobby. And if you're oblivious, that is hilarious. If you weren't, you're a genius. 
when the match gets underway, it's the standard fare, punches by Hulk Hogan. Uh, the gang's definitely slimmed down from his 80s rum. They then head outside for a brawl. Hogan, of course, with his standard bites and eye rakes on his big man offense. He then gets hit by a slam for, uh, by the one-man gang and a splash. But Hulk, of course, immediately no-sells and hops up to... A small spat smattering of boos. You would have heard on the clip earlier with the Macho Man putting him in his place. Hogan's definitely getting booed here. Um, he then hits a few corner whips. The big boot, the big slam, the big leg. One, two, three. Of course, he didn't need any help to pick up his victory, as he will no doubt point out at some point in the future. From there, the Zodiac comes out with Chris Benoit, Arn Anderson, Kevin Sullivan, and Macho Man, of course, does have his back and run out and make the save. The Giant comes running down to the ring, but the Dungeon hold him back, wanting to hold off for Clash of the Champions. Brian Pillman, though, is desperate for the Giant to get in and starts fighting. He's going nuts on the outside. Arn Anderson tells him, no, it will be done tomorrow, and then cocks back and gives gives him a big slap to calm him down. Gene Oakland interviews Macho Man and the Hulkster, who hype the big tag match main event at the Clash of the Champions, Flair and the Giant, and then the commentators hype the Clash some more, and we call it a night for Nitro. So, let's head over and pick ourselves a winner. First category, sorry, we're going to look at is production value. And on this night, I'm giving the nod to Nitro for the three commercial break five-minute main event on Raw. That is just poor planning, and it came off really, really badly. For characters, I'm also going to go with Nitro because obviously they got the big names all over the show, whereas Raw was sadly lacking The Undertaker and Diesel, who started the second biggest program of the WrestleMania season over in the WWF. As far as storylines go i'm going with raw because the vader gorilla monsoon storyline was immense and while wcw pushed and continued all their stories nothing had the oomph of vader destroying gorilla monsoon it was a really earth-shattering moment that really set the tone for 1996 raw in my opinion crowd heat's a little bit of a tie because there was no really solid crowd pops for anyone the good guys macho man razor um brett all got pops hulk's really the only one that got booze but neither crowd were rabbit by any stretch of the imagination so i'm going to call it a tie and then we're going to head over to match quality and i think on this night macho and flair and harlem heat versus sting and lex is definitely going to be enough to do it for nitro so while they may have lost in the ratings um i i definitely believe nitro was a better show on this evening and the one more worthy of going back for the watch that being said, the best thing on either show for me was Vader and Gorilla Monsoon. So um, take that for what you will. But Nitro, definitely the stronger show overall. That'll do it for this episode. Just a quick one to get back in the saddle for 1996. We've got a lot of stuff coming up that you'll be aware of. Obviously, we've, we're heading towards WrestleMania quite quickly here. We've got one more stop as far as pay-per-views go before we get there. Um, and hopefully, Carl will be around to join me for that one as well. Richie and I are going to be heading back to the 80s very, very soon. We just have to pick a, a real timeline as to how we're going to work that but we are in discussions over it as we speak and Duncan and I will be back um, very soon as well looking at to at December to dismember against I want to say it was turning point the TNA pay-per-view um, but correct me on that if I'm wrong um, that's going to be an absolute train wreck but should be a lot of fun as always, you can catch us on 4CR. Um, you can catch up with myself on Twitter and Facebook. And one more shout-out. Please do go and leave, leave us a five-star review if you can. It's been a little while since we had one, and the last review I got was one star, so I'm still singing about that. If you're out there and you listen to the show, we would definitely appreciate it. Um, and, of course, listen to our um, fellow podcast, The New Era 
podcast, which I appeared on on their big 24-hour special. Then now, whatever, which is Duncan and Kyle talking all things Triple H and current WWE and the Raw Attitude podcast, which I was on not too long back as well. So give all those guys a listen. There's many, many more great ones, and I'm sure I'll talk about them all again in the future. But if you could listen to all those shows, give me some feedback and a review, and everything will be happy days. I will speak to you all again shortly, and thank you for listening.